to a, another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven, a, a very strange edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Schopter from Sith Avenue of the Bat. With me, as always, Tara Wellman from Bird Seeds and Bird Tales. And this is the first, well, it's probably the, it's the first Cardinal show maybe ever recorded as, Card- as the Cubs are World Series champions. Tara, this, we saw it coming, but we really hoped it would never get to this point, didn't we? Dara is. Uh, are we there? You, Hello? There you there you are there hey. you are. Oh, it's, there it's we blog are. talk. I I clicked the yeah. Hey. Okay. So anyway. Okay. You, uh, you, nonetheless, you could hear yes, me. I, as, I could hear you, and uh, as a Cardinals fan, I think you're obligated to be as uh, as much a fan of the Cubs failure as of the Cardinals' success. So uh, certainly not a, a, a storyline we ever wanted to see actually come to fruition, but um, that may have been uh, a bit naive as we watched the Cubs building um, towards this season. And, and the reality is they were the best team, uh, and it's not often that you see the best team for an entire season able to follow that up with being the best team by the end of the postseason, and, and they did that. And, you know, I, I live very close to Chicago and and I consider this Cubs country much more than Cardinals country and um, I think the one thing that I can take away from it um, is that no I, I will never be happy that the Cubs won a World Series because I'm a Cardinals fan that goes against all the rules of rivalries but I do have some some great friends that I got to watch experience the high of of following your team through the postseason and the the heart attacks as well. Um, and they got to experience something that many of them never thought they would, uh, never never really thought uh, they'd be able to experience. So having been there a couple of times in my lifetime, it was kind of fun to see some some of the good ones uh, get to experience that excitement. Um, but you know, I keep telling them, hey, that's great, you won one, um, but it's it's time for next year. <laughs> So uh, don't, get, <laughs> yeah. don't get too comfortable because the, the pressure is going to be back on very quickly. Yeah, I've, I've got to say I'm already very much, you know, trying to skim past as much Cub stuff as possible, which is difficult, obviously, these day and age um, to, to miss out on the Cubs because for a while there, they're going to be everywhere. We remember how the Red Sox were in, in 2004, um, just constantly kind of in the faces and it's not something you want to to rehash but you know we have to deal with it the Cubs obviously again like you said we saw this kind of coming they got Theo Epstein they got an organization they finally decided to get smart about how they were approaching things and again I I guess I kind of held out hope because this was the same kind of script they did about a decade ago when they got Andy McPhail the very smart you know, boy genius type. They got, you know, Kerry Wood and, and Mark Pryor and they look like there was a team they were the team to to break it all and, and that didn't happen. You could always hope that, that baseball would hold them down, but they didn't this time. And so what does that mean now going into two thousand and seventeen? Does the Cardinal Cub rivalry change um with the Cubs I guess you know, having the upper hand, which I would say they probably have occasionally um, over the years, but not to this extent. Um, does it does it change? Does does the interactions between the fans change? You know, I think. Well, for one thing, we can't uh, dangle the the hundred plus years in front of them anymore. <laughs> so uh, the inter- interactions will change a little bit to to some degree. But 
Um, I think as much as I would like to say, no, the, the Cardinals are fine. They're going to be right back up to the, the level um, that would be competitive with the Cubs just because that's what the Cardinals do. I don't think we can say that. I don't think that it's, it's reasonable to look at what the Cubs have in place for the, the near future um, and just feel comfortable with the status quo that we've seen in St. Louis for the last couple of years. And, and I think that's the nature of the game to see one team that seems to put all the pieces together and another one that um, maybe isn't quite there at the same time. But the thing that'll make this Cubs Cardinals rivalry fun now that it's not so much <laughs> big brother kicking around little brother kind of thing um, is that if these two teams are both competitive and that if it is exciting to go to games because you don't know what the outcome is going to be, the, the scales could tip either direction on any given day. So I think that John Mazalek has his work cut out for him this season. And that was the case before the Cubs won the world series, but um, you know, they're, the, the Cubs are going to lose some of the, the core pieces that won them this World Series, but their core as a team is going to stay firmly in place, and there's some incredible talent there. Obviously, you know, everything Joe Madden touches turns to gold, so competing with that is going to be a, a challenge for Mike Matheny. But nonetheless, the, the um, dynamic in the National League Central has changed. And if the Cardinals want to maintain that close competition at the top of the division or get back to it at this point, because it was never close last year, um, they're going to have to make some significant changes, not necessarily to become more like the Cubs, but just to, to make themselves and what Cardinals baseball is going to be next year or two years from now or five years from now. Um, as competitive as what Theo Epstein has done in Chicago. You know, I was asked on a show last week uh, if this Cubs win spurs the Cardinals front office more than if the Cubs had lost in the NLCS or NLDS. I mean, obviously the team is going to get better, want to get better no matter, but does that give this front office a little extra kick? My my guess is no. It seems like a very dispassionate front office as we've interacted with them and things of that nature. It doesn't seem like they're going to get caught up in the Cubs just won the World Series. We have to go out and find some huge guy. No, I, I don't think that's uh, the way that John Mozeliak works. He's never been a, a guy that made moves um, – because of a, a reaction to what someone else has done. And sometimes that's to the chagrin of the fan base because <laughs> we play the comparison game. Um, you know, that's all we can really do. We don't necessarily have the ability to affect the change that we want to see in the team. We can just compare, well, the Cubs got this guy, or, well, the Reds did this, or, well, the, you know, whomever, fill in the blank. Um, so it's really easy for the fan base to kind of sit back and, and identify who the key players were for the Cubs and, and see maybe where that sort of um, skill, that sort of consistency, that sort of spark is missing for the Cardinals right now. And it would be very tempting uh, to kind of try to manage a roster to compete with the Cubs, but that's not necessarily the way that you build a winning organization. Um, and that's why John Mosellock is in that office and not most of the fans on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it's it's probably a, a very good thing that the Mo's there and, and not other people, not us. I mean, we would be fine, but um, right, you know, some of the other people. It's probably better, <laughs> better that he's there. Um, 
Okay, so and I think it's, it's probably telling that the Cardinals, the day after the World Series, when people are still talking about the Cubs and, and wondering if the Cardinals are going to make some major moves, uh, hire, you know, extend Mike Matheny for three more years, add three years to his contract. We've got Mike Matheny for four years now, assuming um, he plays out the length of his contract. While it wasn't unexpected, I think most people did not really think that Mike Matheny was going to lose his job. Um, it was still a little surprising that the Cardinals went so long on a guy that is is still growing. Yeah, I think, if anything, it solidifies the fact that, in John Mazalek's mind, one year of missing the playoffs does not destroy what he thinks Mike Matheny has to offer uh, from a managerial perspective. Um, I think this is a long, hard road that they jumped into with Mike Matheny, and that is a guy learning how to manage without any prior experience and doing it with a team that's expected to compete for a division every year. I mean, if you look at Joe Madden, he didn't get to the level where he's managing with such creativity and such skill and such, you know, poise, no matter what the situation is in the first five years, this is a guy that had a decade or more of experience before he was handed the reins of a major league team at all. So that, that's kind of where we are with Mike Matheny. And as much as, again, the fan base likes to compare apples to apples with Mike Matheny and Joe Madden, that's not really what John Mozalek has done with this. He's made a commitment to see what Mike Matheny can become as a manager. And there are, have been growing pains. I'm sure there will continue to be growing pains. But I think it seems that he's really trying to uh, give Mike Matheny every opportunity. Mike's a, a Cardinals guy. You know, he's a, a guy that's done a lot in St. Louis. He's meant a lot to the community. His family is there. His roots are there. If there's a guy you want to succeed in St. Louis in one way or the other, Mike Matheny's probably that guy. Um, but he's definitely rubbed some people the wrong way in the last couple of years and, and come across, maybe established a little bit of uh, – a perspective that isn't the most positive. Um, If you want to know more about that, just look at the reactions from Twitter the day that they announced the (laughs) extension. It was wildly entertaining, um, especially for something that we all expected to, to be the case. But nonetheless, it, it, it was interesting, the timing of it, um, but I told somebody, you know, it's like ripping off a Band-Aid. They had to know that it wasn't going to be this great, exciting announcement that everybody was going to love. So get it over with and establish where you are as far as Mike Matheny and then build over the off season towards what you want this team to become next year with Mike Matheny as the guy calling the shots. Um, and I think that they made some uh, interesting decisions with the rest of the staff that we'll see how those play out. But it's obvious to me that whether it's because John Mozalek is just stubborn enough in this was my guy and I want to make sure he succeeds or if he really, if there's really more than meets the eye with Mike and John Mozalek really wants to continue to create an environment where that can hopefully start to be seen now. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of interesting. I was reading some articles even today about that and some ideas that, the coming out that Mike is is very his way or the highway type of person, or he's he's always right type of thing. And I remember I saw the the comment from from Bernie Nicholas that David Bell was was um, credited with finessing how to tell Mike 
certain things, uh, getting him to accept certain things that maybe he wouldn't have normally done. So you wonder about, you know, how much of that's true, how much of that is factoring into this situation. And, you know, is there a coach that's going to be able to stand up to Mike and say, hey, look, this is wrong, or, you know, let's do this or do that. I think that's the thing we haven't seen with Mike Matheny yet, and, and maybe it's too early, but it feels like, you know, you were talking about Joe Madden and how his, you know, his creativity is there. I feel like Madden's creativity has probably always been there. Um, and if, if you'd see it every once in a while, he wasn't going full bore craziness like he might do now because, you know, now he could probably bat the pitcher fourth and everybody would be, oh, that's awesome. Um, but, you know, I think that we haven't seen anything like that. I mean, there's not even a hint. Of, I mean, we're kind of, we kind of see growth out of Matheny, but I don't see – inspiration let's put it that way now again I, that's not necessarily saying that you have to be inspired we, I, I still wonder how much credit we give to managers that, that don't necessarily deserve it um you know i mean what's the wins above replacement of a guy like madden versus a guy like Matheny? you know i don't you can't really judge that as much because you know you can be the smartest manager in the world but if your players don't come through then it doesn't really make much difference um you know, I don't know. We'll we'll see how that goes. I think that you're right. The coaching staff around him is an interesting thing, especially like as as Mike Schilt comes up from uh, Memphis as a quality control coach, which basically sounds like if you're doing something terrible, he's going to tell you you're doing it very bad, which means he'll probably spend <laughs> a lot of time on base running and defense. But uh, I thought your comment was very very interesting that you kind of considered him to be Jose Akindo without the Jose Akindo title. Yeah, well, it, it, I, I had some fun with the, the concept of a quality control coach at the Major League Baseball uh, level. But um, I, I do think it's interesting, and it'll, I'm, I'm curious to see how they make use of that position. Because, you know, what, what is he controlling the quality of? Is it, uh, you know, the things that the Cardinals struggled with in this last season, which was base running and, and fundamentals defensively and hitting the cutoff guy and, you know, not just, you know, little things, you know, getting a bunt down, whatever, you know, those, all the little things that added up to so many big innings one way or the other for the Cardinals. Um, If that's what it is, it really sounds a lot like what Jose Akendo has been credited with for a large portion of his time in St. Louis on the coaching staff. And that is, you know, working with the infielders and working with the defense and, and being the guy that, that made things happen on the base paths and, and all of those little details that seemed to be his specialty. Um, and if that's the case, it, it kind of seems like this, this quality control coach is uh, doing a lot of the things that, that they've had a Kendo doing in the past. So um, that's just, a, that's a, it's a large assumption based on the little bit of information we've been given, but I'll be curious to see how that plays out and if it's effective. I mean, we talked a lot last year about the fact that all of those little things seemed to disappear when Akendo was suddenly not in the third base box. <laughs> um, and, and we questioned, is it really fair to make that kind of the key to all of the, the missing defense and the base running and the fundamental baseball skills? Um, if in fact this is what this quality control coach is going to be uh, do, dealing with, then maybe it is fair to say that a lot of those cardinal struggles in those areas were because of the absence of Jose Akendo. And it may be. It's going to be kind of interesting to see, like you say, this year going forward. Obviously, there's going to be more focus on some of these things just because of how abysmal they were last year. But just because there's a focus on them doesn't mean they can 
change them. So if there are some changes, uh, that that may mean that they needed somebody like that. Um, Cardinals were not done with making housekeeping news, if you will. Cardinals picked up Jaime Garcia's option. I think we've talked about this enough as well that it just seemed like that you had to do that for a $12 million pitcher uh, and a guy like Garcia that has some very good stuff. But that said, it, it still feels like he's probably not a Cardinal next year, right? Yeah, I think similar to what uh, uh, you had said um, in in the blog post over at Cards Conclave, it feels a lot like this is a thing that they're doing kind of as insurance. You know, they, they seem to, to have players in position um, to fill all the spots that they need on the pitching staff. And then it would make a lot of sense to flip Jaime Garcia for something later. I don't, I don't expect that's going to be an early off season move unless someone makes them a ridiculous offer, um, which I don't see happening. But I think picking up that option, making him available as a guy that they can fall back on if necessary um, is, is probably the smart choice. I don't think, to use your word, uh, I don't think it's inspiring. <laughs> um, I don't think anybody is <laughs> jumping up and down because uh, Jaime Garcia is back because of what we saw towards the end of the year last year. Um, and just his inability to, to get any important outs uh, as the season progressed. Um, but there's still some value there. There's still some skill. And we've seen him when he's at his best. He's, he's great, but he's just not at his best very often, or at least he hasn't been. Uh, in the last couple of seasons. So I think this was as as much a given as Mike Matheny being back next year, but I, I don't think that it means Jaime Garcia is going to be a Cardinal in 2017. It just means they have some options now. Yeah, and, and you know, honestly, yeah, it seemed like a no-brainer to, to some degree, but, you know, that the, the relationship with Garcia in the front office has always been kind of, at least <laughs> from the outside looking in, felt kind of strained and kind of, you know, where the point that the Cardinals might have been, or at least some organizations, and maybe not the Cardinals because they are so dispassionate at times, but it felt like some organizations would have washed their hands of him and said, yes, it's a good idea to have him back, but there's just no way we can handle that. Um, the Cardinals didn't do that. And, again, I, I, we'll see if he's around. He might be even there at spring training um, as they try to see what they have because there's a lot of guys that are injuries and things of that nature, but um, it, w- it would be very surprising if we're having this discussion next year about like, Jaime Garcia having pitched a whole year for the Cardinals. Um, they have also, you know, in the fact that they picked up Garcia's options, they have decided not to offer a qualifying offer to Brandon Moss. Qualifying offer this year, about $17.2 million. And, and Brandon Moss most likely cost himself that kind of money uh, with that atrocious slide through August and September um, this is a, it feels to me as a move that they might, if it had been the all-star break, he'd probably pick it up. Um, but the way he finished the year, they, they just couldn't take that risk. Yeah, I think that's absolutely it. I mean, the way that he played the first half, I think a lot of us were making the argument that, uh, he was the MVP of the first half for the Cardinals. The way he carried them in a lot of games where it seemed like they, they didn't have the, the firepower that they expected, um, you know, he was the guy, and, and there was good reason for that. But the dramatic drop-off late in the season um, was probably just a little too much to overcome. I mean, the, the Cardinals can't afford that kind of inconsistency, um, particularly when there are other guys who can play the same position and, and maybe some decluttering that needs to happen on the infield. 
Um, certainly there was an advantage to having Brandon Moss to play left field when Matt Holiday was injured, but that's not going to be the case next year. So as much as you'd like to think, wow, this team could benefit from first half 2016 Brandon Moss, um, it's a lot of money to, to give a guy that qualifying offer when you have no idea which version of Brandon Moss you're going to get for the majority of the year. So uh, certainly a guy that could have had some, some big value, but um, I don't know that it's, uh, I, I don't know that it's surprising that the Cardinals moved away from it after watching the way that his, his season ended. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, if Brandon Moss brought you anything besides power, then maybe you could start to talk yourself into it, but he doesn't bring you average. He doesn't bring you defense. Yeah. Um, you know, he's going to strike out a lot. It's it's a guy that he can hit a lot of home runs. And when he's going well, you know, maybe he can give you 260 or 270 at the height. But, you know, there's always – I mean, it wasn't even last year. I think there was a, a notable time, uh, a couple of times in his career where he's had streaks like that. And it wasn't just a bad couple of weeks. I mean, that was like six weeks where he had like two hits. I mean, that was bad. Um, and so you just, you're right. You just can't take on that kind of risk at $17.2 million. Now, you know, if Brandon Moss is still out there later in the year and they can get him for five, $6 million, you know, Hey, they may do, they may revisit that. But, um, right now that's, that's just not going to happen. Um, and then the Cardinals lost a couple of players through the waiver system. Jeremy Hazelbaker goes out to the Diamondbacks and Dean Keekheffer goes to the Mariners, both players put on the, the designated for assignment to try to clear up some room on the 40-man roster. It's a little bit surprising. I don't think it's uh, – well, let's just talk about it a little bit in general. Are you surprised that other teams wanted these players? No, I think that what the both of them showed this year is that they have value at the major league level. Um, I know that they were up and down a little bit uh, as far as back and forth to Memphis. Um and they weren't necessarily everyday kind of guys, but I think that they showed themselves capable at the major league level. So um, I'm not surprised that someone thought, hey, maybe they'll, they'll fit into what we're doing here. Um, I think that I was a little more surprised that the, the Cardinals were willing to take that chance with Team Keefer, but, um, you know, again <laughs> – they're going to have to. They're going to have to make some tough choices this off season, and and maybe that's uh, that's what's going to get the ball rolling. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's a number of people that are going to be coming off the DL. I was starting to get a concern that Jerome Williams was still there, but they haven't cleared the free agents <laughs> off yet, so I guess that's it's okay. Um, I'm a little bit surprised. There's the the Jose Martinez that came up late in the year. I'm a little surprised that they didn't. Um, designate him because he's still under the 40 man. He's still under team control and they didn't need to designate him before Hazel Baker just because they saw more out of Hazel Baker. But um, I mean, you're right. These guys are, these are guys that are going to be able to help, but they're also going to be guys that are probably going to ride the triple a major league shuttle a lot for whatever team they're on. And, and the teams, the Cardinals needed to clear them out. And if they cleared waivers, great. They could have, they could have sat in Memphis for a bit, but they didn't, and, and Cardinals needed to clear that room up. I, I do think you're right. Kick Heifer seemed to be a guy that could come in and face lefties on a, on a fairly regular basis. Um, the, the Cardinals did not seem to think so, and, and that's the way it goes. But uh, it is just kind of interesting to see those kind of guys that I didn't expect to be the ones to go off the 40-man roster. Um, but, um, you know, it, they're, they're gone, and, well, like I said, we have the free agents to clear off, and 
there'll be some new names added onto that 40 man pretty soon. Um, we've got uh, about five minutes left. Um, Tara, is there anything you think that we're going to see out of John Mosellock, you know, early on, or is this going to be, I know a lot of years he gets that stuff done before Thanksgiving, but it feels like this year it may take a little longer. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm very curious, I, I guess more than in the last couple of years to see what direction he decides to go. And maybe that's because of the, the push from the Cubs this year and the fact that those guys are not going away. Uh, it really doesn't seem like this was a, a one-year wonder kind of team. Um, <laughs> and it's always more difficult to, to repeat that kind of success immediately following a World Series win. Um, but they're, they're going to be tough. And, and I think there's part of me that wants John Mozeliak maybe to take that into consideration a little bit more than uh, would be his, his usual um, just because I don't want to, I don't want to have to live in Cubs country where the Cubs are, are the better team than the Cardinals <laughs> two years in a row. Um, but I, I'm very curious because I think in many ways we could see a, a very similar off season to what we have in the last few where um, Mo kind of decides, Hey, we have most of the pieces that we need to be a good team. Um, we're just going to go out and try to fill in some of the, the spaces. Honestly, I think that's the wrong move. I'm not suggesting that, that Mo needs to go out and, and trade the farm for some big-name player. I don't think that's the right choice either. But I feel like this season, after watching what happened last year, um, a little bit of shift in, in philosophy or a little bit of shift in whatever the, the choices are to try to make this team as competitive as it can be, uh, is not only a, a good idea, but probably necessary if they want to keep up with the, the best teams in baseball. So um, in order to do that, I think it's going to take a little bit of time. Um, I also think that it's going to take a, a little bit more risk than Mo likes to take, whether that's offering someone more money than he wants to give them or, um, you know, using some of the, the – homegrown talent to merit some pretty significant return or, you know, whatever. I don't, I don't know what the, the right choice is in how to do that, but I think that this is the season, if there has been one up until this point since the, the last Cardinals World Series victory, that Mo needs to make some tough choices that a lot of people are probably not going to be happy about um, in order to put this team back in a position uh, to to make a a run for the top of the division. I mean that's that's reasonable, and I think that's true. Uh, I do think that the Cardinals are not seventeen games worse than the Cubs. I, I think that the Cubs, you know, probably played to the the level that they could play. And besides for Schwarber, didn't seem to have much injuries. I think their pitching regresses a little bit. But no matter what, even like even if you want to give the best case scenario and the worst case scenario for the two teams, there's still probably five or six games separating the two. And, and you're right, Mo's going to have to do something to make that up. I I don't think that you necessarily want to play for the wild card. Um, I think you want to at least aim for the division so that you have that to, to back to fall back on. Because I think we kind of saw this year when you start looking at the wild card, you know sometimes you don't make that either. Uh, and that's uh, – I don't know if two, two, two years in a row out of the playoffs is going to be good for anybody in the Cardinal organization. No, that's that's certainly not a thing that they want to see. <laughs> um, I don't think that's a thing that John Mozeliak <laughs> wants to see. But I, I think that um, 
you know, there's that old, I don't know, I saw it on a bumper sticker. It's probably just a, a Pinterest quote <laughs> somewhere. Um, but the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. We've seen John Mazalek do similar things in the last few off seasons. By similar things, I mean nothing flashy. Um, and the results have not gotten better. So uh, maybe this is the time to, to try something different, to go a different direction, to, to take a little bit more of a risk and see if you can't uh, make things a little bit more interesting when the Cubs come to town the first time. Maybe so. Although he did, you know, I would say the Jason Hayward trade was, was flashy. It just didn't pan out That's the way true. we wanted it to. <laughs> um, and that may be part of what most thinking is if he gets kind of anxious about about being empty. We'll, we will see. Tara and I will, well, we don't know. We'll probably come back at you the first weekend of December as the winter meetings start to pick up. But, but if the Cardinals do something between now and the end of November, we just might come in and here and talk about it. You just never know. So keep uh, following Tara on Tara Wellman uh, on Twitter at Tara Wellman and follow me on Twitter at C70, and you'll know when we're going to do this. So for Tara, I'm Daniel. Good night.